and welcome back in to another episode of the Simon Short Podcast. I'm Simon Short. We have a really fun episode for you here this week. We are doing a check-in on the WNBA season. We are a little more than a third of the way through the season so far. We get into a lot of great stuff with Mario and Bree. Before that, I do a solo quick NBA free agency recap slash reaction. Just go team by team, talk about some of the signings that were made, focus on some of the dollars, but mostly just team fits and, and teams processes. So that's a fun little bit I do before the WNBA conversation here at the top. I'm going to talk about this week's episode of Secret Invasion, as well as a little bit of last week's that I, that I left out. But I have the receipts on my takes um, that, that are out there. Uh, so we'll go over a little bit of Secret Invasion uh, after week three, episode three um, of that show running on Disney+. Plus. And But first, a quick announcement. The Simon Shore Podcast, I'm excited to say, is officially part of Box Score Network, which is a group of podcasts featuring hosts that you have heard on this podcast. Austin Freed of Tricky Takes, Brandon Tim of uh, the Fantasy Franchise Podcast. Um, Robertson Vire of Odds on Favorite, as well as Ben Parker and Ronan Summers, who were with me on the Phantom Football Podcast, which is now renamed to the Stat Sheet Podcast. So be sure to follow Box Score Network at B Score Network on Twitter. You'll get links to all the shows, uh, Twitter accounts, and through that, you'll see all the shows and all their episodes. Make sure you're following. Box Score Network and all of our shows. We would really appreciate the support. If you don't already, also follow um, this now named the Stat Sheet Podcast. Please do that on Twitter at Stat Sheet Pod. Um, but it's the same Twitter account and it's the same podcast feed as the Phantom Football Podcast was. So if you're already a follower or subscriber of that, nothing more you need to do. Um, and nothing here is going to change either on the Simon Short Podcast. Those pods are mostly NFL-based. Uh, Tricky Takes moves around a little bit, talks MLB, talks some NBA and, and other sports as well. Um, but here we're not going to change things. We're still going to be 50% NFL, 50% everything else. We'll have movies, pop culture, WNBA. We'll have everything on here. Um, so I really appreciate everybody's support. It's a very exciting time for us. Uh, I'll have those guys all on the pod back again at some point especially as we get close to the nfl season for now let's get into some secret invasion thoughts so episode three uh i i just finished it um a few minutes before hopping on and you can really feel here where that connectiveness of where if you were watching everything all together i think it would really really benefit instead of just watching on a week-to-week -week basis Right now, I think my main struggle, and then I'll get into the positive stuff and the reactions. I swear, I hate starting with the negative. But I think my main struggle is even from scene to scene, I feel like we get pushed and pulled through the dynamics of the characters and the weight of what's happening, right? Is this a... You know, I thought I thought all these storylines would be really interesting right now. It, it's a little difficult in terms of figuring out who the scrolls are, figuring out who the spies are, figuring out who the traitors are, by the way the world is ending, by the way the scrolls are invading Earth. There, There is so much to unpack that I think when we get to the end of the six episodes, we're already halfway through. When we get to the end of the six episodes, I have a good feeling about where we're going to be. If, if you were watching this, especially if you weren't watching with like 
ads. If you're if you're like a premium Disney Plus kind of subscriber, you're not watching with ads. You're watching all the way through. Um, I still think there are a lot of good parts of the show. So the episode this week, episode three, we start off with confirmation that this was the thing I didn't talk about last week on the pod. Fury knows that he is married to a scroll, and they intentionally wrote the second episode on a cliffhanger to make people not necessarily on a cliffhanger but in a way that would make people guess and wonder between episodes two and three i thought it was pretty clear because the scroll that fury is married to i thought was very obviously the scroll from the beginning of episode two who introduced him to graphic and when that happened i um my theory that i had at the end of episode one was really confirmed and speaking of robertson buyer shout out but he can confirm this uh from, from our, our our messages here that i was on hey fury and, and probably that scroll the one that and, and i'm i'm forgetting their name now but the, that introduced him to gravic they've got something going on romantically and gravic in some way through that sees fury as like a stand-in father figure whether that's just because that was the person who was training him, that was the person who was teaching him, or because there was some sort of adopted familial aspect to them. And it feels here all the way now at the end of episode three that we're getting a little bit closer to that because Fury mentions to his wife, have you spoken to Gravik? He specifically asks uh, her about him. Then we know she's looking for him at the end of the episode where she's wondering why she's not speaking with him on the phone. She's speaking with somebody else who's probably uh, Pagan, I believe is his name, the number two. Um, so that is very interesting. We don't know. So now we're wondering if while Fury knows his wife is a scroll, we're not 100% sure of what side she's on. She's taking phone calls that Fury can't watch or, or be privy to. Um we're so we're still getting the number one aspect of what I wanted in this show, which is that's true spy thriller. You never know who the threat is, right? You never know what's going to happen next. Um, ben Mendelssohn's character as Talos or Talos is someone that that fans are definitely like. Okay, which side is he really on? It really does feel like he's on Fury's side here. I think it's one of those circumstances where. You would almost one. I always kind. Of, I went into this kind of thinking. Maybe by the end they end up coming to blows, but of course I'm just jumping here to the end. The way the episode ends with Gaia's daughter, Amelia Clark, is dead. Just like after three episodes, you know, we we're, we're. She was another character that was okay. What which side is she on? We had the misdirect with the bags. We had, um her running into talos in the sewer and getting away we had her and him sneaking away for the conversation in the taxi we had her sneaking away to make the phone call to bust up where uh, gravic and them were headed next where their next base was there was so much push and pull and then gravic tells her when the next attack is coming and it felt really sure that that was a trap and she fell right into it um she she gives talos the information she ends up getting a password from him from one of the uh humans in the pods that is being impersonated by a scroll so she she's all out just turning on graphic at this point in the resistance she tries to get away i i keep you know thinking people are, are not going to be dead when they are dead it doesn't 
but I think these people are dead. And I think, I think I is dead. And, um, it's crazy to kill off Amelia Clark. I think halfway through, I don't know what the reaction is going to be to that. I think it's pretty insane because I think it'd be way more powerful to have a fa- this father daughter story amidst everything going on. And it's, it is leaving me a little bit sour to have three female characters. I obviously one being Talos's wife, guy's mother be killed off screen before the the events of the show take place but we've now had three female characters be killed over the course of the show in just three episodes in order to motivate our, our main protagonist male characters this this is a concept called fridging in in the comic book and comic book show world probably across other things but uh i mainly know it from comics and it's it's tough. It It's tough. It's not a great look. It's really annoying. I think there could be – I think these characters could have so much more depth to them in terms of the people in their life motivating them by being alive and by pushing them. I mean a father we, – we see Talos' reaction every time someone mentions the fact that guy is on the other side from him. We see that reaction. It's It's a visceral, violent reaction no matter what. I just don't think we need to kill her for him to be motivated to go against Gravik or him to want to do something or to have a powerful story to tell. But, you know, we see Guy after, you know, Gravik shoots her. She turns back into scroll form. I really think it's over. And that's, that's not, that's tough that I don't love that aspect. I, in terms of some things that are going well, like I said, the, Put the the never knowing who's on the right side of things. That was the main thing I was looking for in this show, and they are delivering that. Um, we got some more confirmation on the Super Scroll storyline, which was introduced in episode two. Which there there's great uh, stuff on this out there that you can look more into. But Super Scrolls in the comics, their powers were originally taken from Fantastic Four, and here in the show, since they haven't introduced Fantastic Four yet. They're finding other bits and pieces of the MCU that have similar powers. So in previews, if you don't like what happens in previews, skip ahead 15 seconds. Um, but we see Gravik with Groot arms. And we see Groot on the computer screen when Gaia is looking up the experiments that are happening in the lab. So there's your stretchiness factor in this episode after Talos stabs Gravik in the hand at their parlay. Um, we see Graphic heal himself with the extremis, uh, I guess virus you could call it. Um, and we saw extremis on that screen as well, and that's the human torch element in terms of fire. So we we saw some other pieces where we're going to have this super scroll, and we get a little bit more momentum towards that inevitable showdown where – Gravik and who knows how many other scrolls have been injected with this super scroll serum. I was wondering if we were going to have like a Captain America um, first Avenger callback when the the council came into Gravik's lab to see what was going on. I wondered if he was going to demonstrate on one of them, uh, showing he didn't have faith in one of them. But that didn't that didn't end up happening. But that would have been really cool. Um, other, the last thing that I'll, I'll really get into tonight that I found interesting 
was just more confirmation about how vital the scrolls were to Fury in his rising of the ranks through S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, we we saw in episode two, Fury enlist that initial group of scrolls to be on his side and help him defend Earth while he was off looking for a home for them. And Talos had, had a, a rant in this episode about just that, about how much all of their intel and all of their spying and all of their whispers were a catalyst for Fury to rise the ranks of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think learning about how deep that connection goes and how vital they've been to not only Fury, but essentially the story that we know is really interesting. And I'll be interested to explore that a little bit more. Um, theories moving forward. I mean, at this point, you know, are, we're wondering who the inside person is for Gravik on Fury's side of things. And it seems like it's somebody that's been present a little bit more. So like Fury's wife is tough because we didn't really see her until the very last bit of episode two. Um, War Machine is tough. We only saw him for a couple scenes in episode two. He's not really someone that's in there a lot. But other than, you know, Talos, like we're not seeing a lot of people with Fury a whole bunch. So you know, I don't know who that person is that that's close to Fury. That's that's reporting back to Gravik. But if it is Talos this whole time and and he's been running game, you know this this whole show. Never mind longer than that. That'd be pretty crazy. That'd be pretty that'd be pretty intense. But we have three episodes left. We'll see how it goes. I'm enjoying the show overall, but this this week get you know guy guy being killed off kind of really threw me off. All right, I don't want to go too long. But I appreciate everybody listening to this. Again, go follow B-Score Network on Twitter. That's, again, Box Score Network at B-Score Network. Follow the Stat Sheet podcast at Stat Sheet Pod on Twitter. Follow me at Simon underscore Short for updates on all those shows. All right, next, I'm just going to do a solo recap, analysis, reaction to the first bit of NBA free agency, really most of it's done. There's no real big free agents that are left. Um, Christian Wood, Kelly Oubre Jr., P.J. Washington, who I talked about in the the free agency preview with Smick, um, but but no one no one big really. So obviously we have the outstanding trade potential of James Harden from Philly, Dame Lillard from Portland. I'm not really going to get into that. You can go. Go check my Twitter at Simon underscore short. I, I posted some fake trades and some interactions with Smick. Maybe we'll do something on that later. Smick should be back later this month. Maybe we'll talk about those two. But let's just focus on the guys that have been signed and, and you know, subsequently signed and traded for. Um, we're just going to go team by team. I'm going to go down the list. I'm on spot track. Uh, so I'm not doing a big winners or losers or anything like that. So let's just uh, see how this goes. So starting with Brooklyn. Uh, they get Cam Johnson back on a four-year deal for 108 million. That feels right. Uh, that, that they needed to bring him back anyways. They weren't even messing with letting him get an offer sheet or anything. I really like bringing him back. Um, I do. All right, I'm already gonna go off track and talk about the Dame trade. I sent this to uh, Smick during free agency. I don't know exactly with Portland when we get there what the situation with Jeremy Grant is or could be. 
I don't know if they've officially put pen to paper on his deal. I don't know if both sides want to maybe amend it into a sign and trade if the amount stays the same. I would actually really like a Dame trade to Brooklyn if Grant was also part of it. If you do a, a Dame and Grant for Ben Simmons and Spencer Dinwiddie and then just like all like all the young guys and all the picks, Jeremy Grant, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, uh, as your vet wings, and then Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges as your young wings, and Dame Lillard running point, um, and, and then Nick Claxton at center. I really, I, I like that group. I like that group. That would be interesting. Just name going to Brooklyn with these guys. I don't think does much for you, but if they could find a way to get Jeremy also involved, I think that would be interesting. Anyways, um, they also get Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker. I think that's pretty interesting, but. Um, Cam Cam Johnson return to Brooklyn was the no brainer. That's a good move for them. Um, Boston didn't bring anything much in. We'll talk about Grant Williams when we get down to Dallas. The Charlotte Hornets resign Miles Bridges. Listen, I don't want to. I don't want to get into all that right now. I just can't believe that it's going to be on an NBA, an NBA roster but here we are uh Chicago Bulls made three nice signings Kobe White 3 for 33 um that's a guy that might be a little bit of a late bloomer and that's a it's a really fair price you know 11 mil a season is is i think a good deal for for both sides they also bring Javon Carter and Tory Craig uh Tory Craig just kind of a a one for one swap it feels like with um uh, with Derek Jones Jr., so that's that's pretty interesting there. Those, those are some solid players. Chicago will be uh, shooting for the play-in once again, but they some decent signings there. Uh, Cleveland determined to not have a, a small forward who just won't be a factor offensively. They go get Max Struess on a 4 for 63. They bring back Karis LeVert on a 2 for 32. They also go get George Niang on a 3 for 26 if they wanted to go with a uh, a Mobley at center lineup. Niang is a guy that could come in and play the four, I think. They end up trading Chetty Osman, I believe, to make some room for these moves. But Struess and Niang coming in, Levert returning, I think is solid for Cleveland. You, you would uh, you, Obviously, you don't get to do a huge high-profile move with the guys they are already paying money to. Maybe if they were to move on from Allen one day. But Max Struess, I really like that. A, a lineup of... Garland, Mitchell, Struess, Mobley, and Allen. If you believe Mobley and Allen can really crank up the defense and cover up for those three. Uh, and I mean, Donovan Mitchell, you know, and, and Garland, they're smaller guards, but Mitchell came into the league, was supposed to be a defensive-minded guard, uh, exploded on offense early in his career. So that kind of went by the wayside, but he fought hard last year, and Garland's a guy that competes Um Struess obviously has a decent size and also competes with, you know, you can't survive in Miami if you can't play a little bit on defense. So Mobley and Allen behind those guys, I think that would be a very fun playoff lineup. Um, Dallas, Kyrie, three for 126, 42 annually. Um, that's insane. That's insane. Yeah, committing three years to Kyrie Irving unless they really feel like they they can and or will trade him down the line or if Luca said hey we have to bring him back nothing nothing else you guys can realistically do is going to be on par with this and and keep me happy but man I just would not be in in the Kyrie business man I just wouldn't do it but we'll see what happens but they made another some other nice moves you know I, I'm not the biggest Grant Williams fan 
that's not my real cup of tea, but they had a whole they need a guy that's gonna come in and, and bring some defense, bring some fight. They they've made a pretty big commitment, I think, in in securing guys that can do that. They've also signed Matisse Thibault to an offer sheet for I think right about the mid-level. Um, so they're trying to build this defense back up around Luca and around Kyrie. So um I think for that aspect, four for 54, 13 and a half, just above the mid-level. Um, it's not bad. I'm just not, you know, if I have to put my five together for who I want in a playoff game at the end of the game, Grant Williams isn't necessarily on that list, but it's not It's not a bad move for where they're at. They also bring back my guy, Dwight Powell. Uh, but Seth Curry, that's a huge move. I mean, that's a, if Luka or Kyrie aren't on the floor, Seth Curry should probably be on the floor. I I. I love that move. So I think good on Dallas overall. Denver, they bring back Reggie Jackson, DeAndre Jordan. Reggie Jackson got a bigger number than I thought, two for 10.25, um, just over five mil a season. I thought Christian Brown would kind of slide into that Bruce Brown role, but Denver really likes Reggie Jackson, I guess. You know, uh, five mil a season, even in today's day and age, is nothing to sneeze at. Um, so they have some real plans for him to basically to, for, to be the backup point guard and Brown to continue to just be a wing, um, maybe more truly defined. Brown is kind of the backup two, three, and, and Reggie's just the backup one, whereas Bruce was kind of that one, two, three, six man style type player. So uh, there, there's a world where they definitely coexist well, and, and Reggie's just the true point guard, but bigger deal for him than I thought, but I, I like Reggie Jackson, so I, I'm fine with that. Um, Golden State resigns Draymond four for a hundred. I mean, Smick, we're talking about it. Does him opting out of twenty seven mean he's going to get a little more annually or a little bit less? And the answer is a little bit less, but on a longer deal. I think that's great for both sides. They also bring in Corey Joseph, third point guard. You know, I, I guess is fine as a veteran at the end of the bench. Um, like for them to get a little bit more size, but uh, it's Golden State. They're going to do what they're going to do, and it's going to be fine. Houston. Houston spent, man. Houston Houston went big. I don't know how I feel about a max for Fred Van Vliet, essentially three for 130, making you know nearly $43 million a season. That So when, when that one came through, that was their first move. That one smelled to me like they were going to split all their money up, and whoever their second option was, whether it was a Brooke Lopez or uh, you know, or Bruce Brown, something like that, it didn't work out, so they were like, you know what, let's just give all our money to Fred. But then they made a bunch of trades that allowed them to sign more guys, which I'll talk about in a minute. But this is a lot for Fred when his play has been declining, but you're really just banking on he's coming in to change the culture of this team, and he's the the guy that's going to do it because this next guy is not bringing the culture that you want, and that's Dylan Brooks, four for 80, 20 mil a season. I think not all the years are guaranteed. It might even only be the first year that's guaranteed, but regardless, that's a lot for Dylan Brooks, and that's a lot of personality and not the right ways for a team that also had a lot of personality and not the right ways. So I didn't love that. Jock Landell, four for 32. It, it's half the money that Yamahimi got to be the backup center in Washington in the 2016 cap spike. But now the things have kind of settled again, even though the numbers are high, that's still kind of a lot for Jock Landell, I think. But again, you know, good on them. They had the money to spend. They also get Jeff Green, one for six. Um, that's interesting. That kind of went under the radar. Um, 
just just culture setters, you know, here, whether it's a culture you like or not, bringing in Dylan Brooks, but Jack Landell on, on that Phoenix team, Jeff Green on Denver, just one championship, obviously very well regarded around the league. Fred Van Vliet is going to come in and be the leader, be the organizer for all these young guys. I just don't like Dylan Brooks. And I don't like for even for the play, not just the the interviews and the skipping out on press conferences after being embarrassed, stuff like that. But I want these young guys to learn the right way, and I want them to be on the court. Dylan Brooks isn't the, you know, a guy that I'm that excited to give minutes to over Jalen Green or Jabari Smith or Amen Thompson or you know even Cam Whitmore. So I didn't love that one for Houston. They they went a little crazy. They went a little crazy on that one. Uh, Indiana getting Bruce Brown also traded for Obi Toppin. Love that they they sent out uh, Chris Duarte to the Kings. And I thought that was interesting, and I was like, "This something else is going to happen here." And that that was when they signed Bruce Brown. So two for forty five. I think it's a one plus one um, for Bruce Brown, and I think it's a you know, Indiana could be pretty good. It, it's a lot though. It's a lot considering now he's probably you know Halliburton will probably set him up a good bit, but whether I don't, I assume he's going to start making that much money, but they they just have a lot of guards. Um, I don't think it'll be quite what we saw in the playoffs last year for Denver, but hey, man, I'm I'm so glad for him being that second round pick who's bounced around. Um, go get it and look, Indiana. There, you know, uh, there there's a bit of a tax when you're not a great team and not a great city. Um, this is this is a good guy to bring in and, and take a flyer on, especially on a one plus one. Uh, the Clippers bring back Russell Westbrook and also sign Mason Plumley. Not bad. The Westbrook deal just under four mil season on a two year deal. That's pretty good. The Lakers they made some good moves. Austin Reeves they get for four for fifty six. No one made a restricted tender on him. I guess just nobody wanted to eat up their time and space for three days because everyone knew the Lakers would match anything. But still, four for fifty six. That's huge for the Lakers. Rui gets three for fifty one. That's a little high. Um, but obviously he had a great playoff, so good for him. Wizards fan here. I've talked about the Wizards a lot. We'll continue to do so. Um, I'm glad the Wizards didn't pay him this, but I'm glad he got it. So that's great. D'Angelo Russell, two for 37. I think I I think I think heard somewhere, it might have been on the Bill Simmons podcast, that if you add the D'Angelo Russell contract and the Rui Hachimura contract, it equals um, – oh, who was it? Whose contract did we already talk about that? Oh, the Kyrie deal. Uh, it's pretty close or, or gets them in, in the right range. So that's, that's pretty interesting. They, think about that. Shout out Bill Simmons and Ryan Russell for that one. Um, but D'Angelo Russell, they get him back two for 37. Gabe Vincent. This was one I talked about with Smick. Um, three for 33. I love that. I love Gabe Vincent for uh, Los Angeles. I think he'll be in that closing lineup. Him, Reeves, LeBron, AD, you know, insert whoever. Is, is it Rui? Is it? I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody now, but anyways, I, I, I oh, Jared, Jared Vanderbilt, maybe I like that move. I like Cam Reddish or uh, Gabe Vincent a lot. They also get Cam Reddish. Sure. Another flyer on him. Wish it had worked out from the beginning. It probably isn't going to now, but another flyer, uh, Jackson Hayes. That could be pretty interesting as a backup five and Torian Prince, uh, one for 4.5, just a, just a solid dude. So, so really good moves by the Lakers. I think all the real contending teams did a good job with their lower level and mid level contracts. Uh, let's see. Derrick Rose gets a deal to go to Memphis. Memphis between Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose really try and getting rid of Dylan Brooks really trying to insulate John Moran and and those young guys kind of keep their heads on straight. 
um, some leaders, some tough guys. I really like that. Miami, Kevin Love, Josh Richardson, Thomas Bryant. You know, Josh Richardson going to Miami, not bad. He full circle moment there. That's pretty cool. Uh, the Bucks keep Middleton and Lopez. They also get Malik Beasley and Robin Lopez. Um, I love Robin Lopez going with Brooke, obviously. But Malik Beasley, I think, would be really, really interesting. They've tried a handful of off guards over the years between Giannis and around Middleton and, and now Drew that haven't really worked. You know, I think back to like Wes Matthews, um, Dante DiVincenzo, obviously. And, you know, Malik Beasley, I want him to stick. I think he could be really good. I think he's a good shooter. So I want to see that work out. I think that would be very interesting. Minnesota gets Shake Milton, two for 10. Uh, Smith called this one. He said uh, someone was going to pay Milton more than Philly would be willing to. So that played out. They retain Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They go get Troy Brown Jr., uh, two for nine and two for eight on those deals. The Pelicans retain Herb Jones on a four for 56. Herb Jones making the same as Austin Reeves, which feels right, but also you really think Reeves would have gotten more. But Herb Jones, good deal for both sides. I love that. Uh, they also get uh, Cody Zeller, backup center, one year for three mil. I mentioned Dante DiVincenzo a minute ago. They, he goes to the Knicks four for 50. So, again, good for him, man. Go get paid. Um, they get all the Villanova guys out there in New York. They just got to get Mikhail to come over to the other side of the, to, of the you know, to the next borough over. Um, so that's pretty cool. I think he's going to fit well in for Tibbs. Tibbs is going to love him um, defensively. And I think New York is going to love him. Uh, but obviously the offensive side of the ball not not great so you just wonder if they're gonna have this glut of guys who can't consistently put the ball in the hoop enough which is pretty important um let's see orlando overpays joe ingles two for 22 i mean they need shooting but 36 year old joe ingles after you know the last you know a couple seasons here where gets hurt and then comes off the injury just not the same um but veteran shooter for a team that had some money to spend isn't bad they also retain mo wagner Patrick Beverly goes to Philadelphia. Uh, sure. I mean, he'll fit in there for a little while. Um, they also go get Mo Bamba. That was just reported tonight, Thursday, the or, or Wednesday, I should say, the 5th, as we record this. Phoenix now. They did great with their minimum, guys. Um, first, Eric Gordon, two for six. Uh, Damian Lee, two for five. Kate Bates Job, two for five. Drew Eubanks, two for five. Uh, Josh Okogie they retain on a minimum deal, and Utah Watanabe they were they they go get from Brooklyn on a minimum deal. Those are all really good moves. Like four of those seven guys I just named could be in their rotation and be solid around those big pieces that they have. Um, but Eric Gordon especially, I mean that is that's a really good move. He's been he's been playing light these last few years in Houston, not not playing that hard, not playing that many playoffs over the last couple seasons. Um. Eric Gordon could be big for Phoenix. I really like that. Portland. I mentioned the Jeremy Grant potential in a Dame trade. I wonder if that could happen or not still. Five for 160 for Jeremy Grant when Dame is not wanting to be on the team next season. That's insane. That's one of like that's one of the toughest things, I think, coming out of free agency. Um, so hopefully they can move that somewhat soon because he just doesn't make sense on this team here long term. Um, and it's a lot of money to spend if you're trying to not be that good and see what your young guys have. So I don't love that for Portland, um, really in any way. I, I, cause even 
if you want to argue, oh, well, maybe they didn't know Dame would request the trade until it happened, then that's worse. It just means, you know, you you rushed it, your intel was bad, you you were trying to resign Grant to placate Dame. And then if they did know that Dame was going to request the trade, then why sign Jeremy Grant for one five for one sixty? Yeah. Do you really think you can trade him and get something for that? I don't know. Uh, Sacramento keeps Trey Lyles, keeps Alex Lynn uh, on, on decent deals, two for 16 and one for three, respectively. Not bad for them. They also retained Harrison Barnes. Um, so they're just, they're, they're kind of running it back. They're, they're going to see what happens. Um, so we'll see how that goes. The Spurs re-signed Trey Jones to a two for 20. That's not bad. He'll, he'll probably be their starting point guard this year. Toronto keeps Jakob Pertl. No surprise there after they traded for him. They also get Dennis Schroeder. Uh, you know, he's not as good as Fred Van Vliet, but still a, a solid point guard to hopefully help them make sense still. And they go get Jalen McDaniels. Sure, just get another long, wingy dude. Um, but but I think that's an interesting flyer for this team. And the Wizards. Kyle Kuzma, four for 102. I don't know what the Wizards are doing, man. I don't know. I don't know. I talked to Smick a little bit about this when we talked about the draft last week. Um, I'm worried that this team could still win 35 games and have the eighth overall pick again. Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Daniel Gafford at, at center. Um, you know, I and and Denny Obviate. Like you've got some defense. Kyle Kuzma, I think, is better than uh, a, a lot of people might think. Jordan Poole is going to put up numbers. He's not a very good player, but he's going to put up numbers. Tyus Jones is a very good starting level point guard. I'm not saying that they're going to make playoffs, but I'm worried they're going to be just too good to do this full tank. Um, so I don't love it. If all three of those guys, Jones, Poole, and Kuzma are still on the team, by Christmas this team might win too many games. They need to get rid of one, at least two of them, and, and recoup some stuff. I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong later, but that's where I'm at right now. Um, all right, so that's just a run through for for all the teams for free agency. Not bad. I, I don't. I think the only thing that really stood out as I didn't love was Jeremy Grant going to Portland. I think everyone else was was fine. No, um, no huge huge winners. I mean, Indiana I like what they did. Dallas like what they did. The the Lakers and the Suns. I liked what they did with their small contracts. Um, I liked what Cleveland did. Game Max Drews and George Niang and some offensive options. I liked a lot of what happened. I didn't love anything, I don't think, in terms of someone really changing their destiny here. Um, but but I would say Houston spent a lot, but they had a lot to spend. Um, and Portland was maybe the most confusing. Um, all right, that's where we're at with the NBA. We'll get back to the NBA here in a couple of weeks, I think. Um, but everyone enjoy the episode here with Mario and Bree talking about the W. Thank you. Hey everyone, I'm Ronan Summers and I want to tell you about the Stat Sheet Podcast. Every Tuesday, you can hear me and my co-hosts break down the biggest games and analyze what's happening around the NFL. Follow the Stat Sheet Podcast on Twitter at the Stat Sheet Pod and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, it is time for our WNBA check-in. We're about 16, eh, 17 games, uh, I think 16 for everybody, 17, 16, 17 games in uh, to the WNBA season. We have Mario here. We have Bree returning. 
Welcome in, guys. Glad you're here. Glad you guys could do this with us today. Um, not quite at the halfway point of the season yet, so we just want to do an overview of what's been going on so far in the season of the 2023 W League season. So let's start with some injuries just to catch everybody up, make sure we we have all of that uh, housekeeping kind of sorted out. I think the one that really has been the most long standing with maybe the biggest impact for, for what we kind of expected going into the year, I would say, and again, long standing. So talking way back at the beginning of the season, I want to start with uh, Atlanta dream point guard, Ari McDonald, who's been out since June 2nd with the torn labrum. Now, I don't think she's going to be out too, too much longer, but I think we still have a couple of weeks, but this has obviously been a team that was uh, had had made some moves in the offseason. Obviously, Ryan Howard, who just went off for for forty three points in the league's you know fourth uh, forty point game of the season already, um, but they're hanging in there seven and eight, not doing too bad. Bria, I want to start with you. Just you know, what kind of impact do you think not having Ari has had on the dream, and how do you think they've been able to kind of deal with that, keep their heads above water? I think they're surprisingly still doing really good. Um, I think the injury happening. Sooner in the season, gave them time to kind of rebuild their lineup um, and get out the kinks. Also gave time for Ryan again to kind of have more control over the ball, bring the ball up, kind of give her more freedom there, um, which I mm-hmm. think helped uh, this season because it seems like we've just talked about it. This has been like a very high scoring season. So I think that it kind of um, – her going out pretty early helped them um, be able to – navigate their offense more on the defensive side, of course, defending. She was a defensive guard, you know, defensive passing guard. So um, losing her, they did lose on the defensive end. But um, as far as offense, I don't think they lost too much because Ryan is able to kind of get to the rim, um, you know, from rim to rim. She doesn't need Ari to kind of distribute to her. She can kind of make her own room uh, moves to get to the basket or decide I want to go ISO right off. Um, the rip and just go so I think that helped them um, as far as like their standings and everything where they're at I feel that it didn't knock them out too too bad I think they're still doing pretty pretty good with where they are I feel like um, in the east they're kind of like right where we would see them to be I didn't expect them to be super high up or you know we're you know right now but they have time and they still have time to kind of readjust their, their lineup and things like that. So uh, just her going out pretty early to give her time to kind of recover and get back into the swing of things when they choose to, or if they choose to run their offense or switch up their lineups, whatever it may be. But I don't think it hurt them too much. It was a, a downfall that she did go out, but um, I don't see like their offense changing too drastically for them defensively. They definitely need her to get back as soon as possible. But on the offensive end, I don't really see uh, too much of a, of a downside downswing there. Yeah. They, um, I think either right after or shortly after McDonald went down, they went to rookie Haley Jones into the starting lineup. She started, I think five games. And then for the last three, they've gone with veteran Danielle Robinson as the starting point guard. Um, they've been on a, a little bit of a run here. Um, Mario, hop in here. You know, Bree mentioned that the Dreamer kind of staying afloat in the middle of the league. You know, we talked about that, how we thought, you know, last year, you know, we'll do a power rankings later on in the episode. But we thought last year we went from kind of kind of five tiers, you know, a, a middle, upper middle, 
top of the league, lower middle, bottom of the league. We thought we might have one big glut in the middle. Atlanta's kind of right there in that now. Um, any more thoughts on, on McDonald and then just the dream as a whole being there in the middle in this glut with the rest of the league? Yeah, I agree uh, with everything both of you said, especially with said uh, uh, McDonald. Um, you know, she got the speed, she got the pass, and she got the defense. But, you know, they stayed afloat. They're still in there. Um, they're on a, a good run right now, too. You know, they won their last two games. Um, they're playing right now against the Sparks. I don't know who I want to win. Um, I really want the Sparks to win, but, I mean, I don't know about this season. I don't know what's happening. But um, I really – I think they're going to be fine. I actually think that – I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I think they'll get that push, and then when Harry comes back, they'll be good. Um, we obviously, there's going to be that log jam in the middle, um, but I think they're going to start winning some key games, you know, against some of those teams that's in the middle of the pack, like the Sky, uh, like the Wings and things like that. So, regardless of conference, but there's a whole log jam in that middle, but I think they'll be one of the teams that come on up top. Um, because of the growth that they have, the growth of Cheyenne Parker, the growth um, in Ryan, be able to score, you know, we knew she could score, but still be able to do it even without, like, her starting point guard. And then just other role players stepping up, like Haley Jones, um, Nas Hillman, Nas Hillman, and a whole bunch of other players on that team as well. Let's talk about another team that is in that middle of the league and, and was kind of in a weird spot going into the season. Mario, I'll stick with you for this one because we, we talked about this team a little bit in the preseason, sh- preseason show. But the Chicago Sky, obviously a huge change in the look of their team Going into this year, so many veterans, so many star players on their way out to other contenders. And obviously, we have some coaching news to talk about when it comes to this team. Um, we we can do that now as well. This team, after just three games, uh, Rebecca Gardner, who was a, um, a, a, a nice surprise, I would say, as a rookie last season, um, made it onto an all-rookie team. Um Rebecca Gardner's been hurt basically all years. Like I said, she played three games, but um, never really got going. So let's talk about the sky. We'll, we'll jump around the dock here a little bit because um, obviously there's not too much of an in-season impact. We've moved past that pretty far, but the sky have also moved on, or I should say have been moved on from by head coach slash GM James Wade very unceremoniously in the middle of the season, uh, taking a job with the Toronto Raptors as an assistant coach. So any way you want to go with the Chicago Sky, how that team has looked so far, what maybe you think they're missing with Rebecca Gardner not being in, she is still out. Um, and then obviously the, the you know, James Wade leaving here and not even the middle point of the season. Yeah, I think the route I'm going to take is I'm surprised <laughs> because I know we were talking about preseason. I was definitely one of those people who are not high on them. Um, they are playing cohesively, like very well together. Like Elizabeth Williams has played really well. Um, Marina Mabry, who you were talking about in the preseason, I was like, eh, mm-hmm. I don't know she's a needle mover. But Bucket. she's been exactly like just played very Bucket. well. Uh, I knew Kalia Copper. We know who Kalia Copper is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Courtney Williams, I said it. I said our, our yep. sons are going to miss Courtney Williams. Mm-hmm. Got a triple-double the other game. She's been scoring at will. She's a mid-range uh, goddess. She's, she's, she's a beast. Um, so I, I I think they're playing cohesive. Um, they're also getting their feet under them. Even with James leaving, you know, they still won these games. It's actually interesting. Um, I don't know exactly what date he left, but they – 
on a three-game winning streak. So that should, you know, tell you a lot. Maybe he could have been like a small cloud over it or whatever. I don't know. But um, it seems like they're playing with confidence, especially Courtney. Courtney um, is really leading the team with her veteranship. Um, and then Kalia Copper and all the other vets take out the team. But I feel like they're more well-rounded as far as their starters than I thought they were, um, especially scoring-wise. But I will say um, what, you know, missing Rebecca Gardner is is a big deal because I feel like their starters are playing a lot of minutes with overtime. Who knows? Obviously, I hope no one gets injured or anything like that. But as far as pushing through to the season and then when when since they are in the middle of the pack right now, how that will play a role, you know, at, towards the end of the season. Will they be running on fumes? How tired will they be? All those type of things. Um, so I guess we have to see that. But they have been surprisingly um, good or like uh, I won't say average, but they've been surprisingly good uh, for the roster that they do have. But they are in the middle of the pack. So I guess we'll have to see how heavy the minutes are going to continue to be or if they will slow down and use more of their bench presence that they have. And I believe, yeah, they went through a slew of injuries, like you said, and and then they had a couple hardship contracts, which I think everybody in the league is dealing with right now. And they let those players leave, I'm pretty sure. Um, so that does signify that their roster is going to be back to somewhat full strength soon. Um, I will take a small break here just to say that Marina Mabry, I what I I love going from looking at stats to then watching games on the screen to then the comparison to watching games in person. I think blending those three things together gets you a really good look about what's going on. And watching, I, I was at the Mystics Sky game on Father's Day and just like Marina Mabry with the ball in her hands, you're, it's just like going to the park and watching somebody and you're like, oh, okay, that's the best player that's out. And like, I think she only finished with like 11 points in the game or something. She got kind of cold at, after halftime, but just like, walk like walking with the ball in her hand you're like that's the best player on the floor so that was that was pretty fun i'm pretty happy to see that um she's playing so well but on the james wade front uh to to your point that was a great point about the the timing of it they i think won two of those three games and then they won that third game on july 2nd and i think he stepped down either on the second or on the first Mm -hmm. so it might have been right after the game i don't the timing was so weird, but he also very much seemed just like he was done maybe with the league because he's been complaining about the refs since like opening weekend. Like he's been, I mean, at, even at the game, you could visibly see how upset he was. Like he called a timeout in the last like 10 seconds when the game was over to yell at the refs about something. Like he just seemed like he was very much over what was happening and when you've had the success that he's had in, in in the amount of time that he's been in the league, I guess you could see it coming, but it does feel like just such a crappy way, especially when, like, you, you guys might know this better than me, uh, as I said on the podcast, like I just started diving in last year. But I'm sure we've had some crossover. You know, we we have seen NBA coaches go to the W, and I'm sure we've seen vice versa. But the timing of it when, you know, I, I guess maybe he wants to be there for summer league and and – but we have time until training camp, obviously plenty of time until the regular season. It just seemed very, very weird to step out in that way in the middle of the season, especially for a team that was starting to kind of find their way a little bit. Bree, hop on in here. Any thoughts on the sky, on James Wade, on Rebecca Gardner, and just what this team looks like now going from, you know, the team that they've had for the last handful of years to where they're at right now? Um, Him, I think that is the biggest thing that everyone was kind of confused on. Not even how 
when he left, but how he left, it was mm-hmm. very sudden. It wasn't like um, my last game will be such and such a day. It was kind of like I'm out of here. Um, it was kind of distasteful for me uh, mm-hmm. because I have been going to Sky Games for a long time. Um, you know, me and Mario go to Sky Games uh, every once in a while. So it was kind of like weird. And if he did feel that, kind of what you said, like he was frustrated with the league, I think that we are in a place right now when the W where it's full of growth. And if that's something um, that you were trying to voice, like the refs are not doing a good job, you know, um, we need better refereeing here in the W. I think it's also a time to help the league, not just kind of like run away from it mm-hmm. um, or just be like, you know, what, I'm fed up. I'm out of here. Um, I didn't like that because it just kind of showed what people are saying all the time. That's kind of like the W second tier or third tier, and they don't deserve the same respect or the same support. And that was kind of like hurtful for me as a fan. Um, and then for like the players, you know, you have players who have been under James Wade for a minute, who've kind of grown with him, who's won a championship with him. And for him to just kind of like, you know, I'm out. I don't know what he told um, the team. I can't speak about what happened behind the scenes. But from looking from outside in, it did look like a very bad way to leave an organization um, and leave, you know, not even just the sky, but the WNBA in general. But when you have players like Clea, you have players like Courtney Williams, you have players like Miranda Mabry, who's in Dana Evans, who's one of my favorite, Rebecca, Rebecca Gardner, you have them and, you know, they're going to continue to do what they have to do, of course, and put up buckets and still get wins. And I feel like with this group, <laughs> in my opinion, I think they're going to go harder. I really think they're going to go harder uh, just to say, like, hey, you know, you left and we yep. still are going to show up. But I remember going to a game, uh, Mario, correct me if I'm wrong, and we went and James Wade wasn't coaching. I'm not sure why. Um, mm-hmm. that was, but he wasn't there. This was actually this wasn't this season. That was last season. So there has been times where he's just like not been there, and I don't. I would like maybe maybe he has a cold or maybe he's sick, but also you know he does have um, a lot of ties with um, French basketball and mm-hmm. you know that too. So maybe he just wanted to kind of get out of America, go back to you know kind of like um because he's in Toronto so go to Canada I don't know what it was but hey I just did not like the way that he left um but I really think that this group of players on the sky they're very gritty they're very they're going to get after it and I think they're going to take it like you left that's fine we're still going to do what we have to do to get wins because they're not in a bad spot right now um they're not in a bad spot to be honest they're probably in a spot where they could goes still to the second or third round um in the playoffs so I feel I feel confident that they'll they'll you know recover greatly um even after this loss of James Wade I still feel that they're going to recover you know they have their interim coach and they won you know that game already so uh I think they're just going to take it and just keep keep the ball rolling and keep moving yeah they have uh Emre Vatasever, uh, which I'm sure I mispronounced, so I'm sorry about that. We'll catch that up later. Um, but yeah, just and it's so different from 
you know, other similar experiences we've had in other leagues where, you know, NBA or NFL, we hear, you know, assistants as we get to the end of the season or in the playoffs, getting head coaching interviews, obviously within the league, or, you know, you even think about sometimes you hear about a college coach in the, in football, getting interviewed with some NFL teams. And sometimes that might be during a season or like you start hearing word about it during a season. Um, and maybe in a bowl game, there's some overlap with some teams that miss the playoffs. And then that gets a little bit weird and dicey because you, yeah, you're, you're, you know, basically taking a step up from college to the pros. Um, but because I think this was obviously for an assistant job, nothing as high profile as a head coach or anything, we just didn't even get any real buzz about that or word around it. It was just like one day he was just out. And I think he, he specifically cited, I haven't, you know, listened to this or, or seen the words verbatim and whatever the direct text it was in, but you know, the, the word going around the, everything circulating is basically, this is the step I wanted to take in my uh, career of coaching, which yeah, it does speak to that. Like this, like the W was a stepping stone, which is, it's just such a bummer because the you know this was obviously where he he got his first coaching gig doing this you know um well i think even overlapped while he was still playing overseas somewhere but it's just yeah the longer this is seen as a suboptimal league to the nba is such a problem when we have seen so much growth and we are feeling like we're getting closer and closer to expansion. And we, we obviously this year are seeing more games than last year and the, the interest is growing. And I love the point Bree about be part of the solution. Don't be just so fed up with the problem that you leave. And again, like we don't know what's in his mind or in his heart and, and you know, where all this was at and where he was at with the team. Maybe they did know that he was trying to do something like this. We have no idea, but um, I, I think this team has plenty of ballers on it who, like Bree said, are going to, are going to show up and be ready to play with a little, a little bit of attitude. So I'm excited to see that. Let's flip it to the Washington mystics who are going through a couple injuries, injuries. Now I still haven't seen any official uh, press release on how long the mystics expect for Delana Del Don to be out for. I know right now, you know, we'll, we'll talk about all-stars later, but it was announced this week, I think on Sunday, maybe that she was announced as a reserve and kind of then right after that kind of came out, like she's just focused on recovery to, to get back for the mystics. So maybe that means something post all-star game, which is about two more weeks. Um, but, but nothing official yet, but they're obviously also going through Shakira Austin being out who went down on 625 with a hip strain and was to be out for about three weeks. So kind of potentially same timetable right around the all-star break is when we should kind of get a, a check-in on that. Um, but Bree, let's start here with you on this. The mystics who are sitting at nine and seven right now, you know, Mario and I talked about it. This team didn't really add. They kind of just one for one swap out at the forward position, not much depth. Um, Shakira Austin being out. And what was a, a year where she's really been growing? We see her do more offensively, not necessarily the most efficiently, but doing more. And now Elena Del Don being down also. What do you think this means for the Mystics to be out for those two players when they're kind of still struggling to find their footing? Um, I think that is one of the biggest problems when you don't develop or grab as much talent as you have the opportunity to. When someone goes down, it's like, where do we go from here? Um, and I think that's kind of where they will be for a minute 
until they can figure out those pieces. Um, so like, that'll be the biggest thing that I, I will look forward to see what happens. Um, two of their top players just picked up an injury, you know, their top rebounder, top scorer just went out. Where do you go from there? You know, you're going to have Natasha Cloud trying to pick up all the weight or Ariel Atkins and it's going to get pretty rough um, there. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, you just play that tri tricky, tricky line when you have, uh, when you don't kind of go for the best talent out there, you just uh, kind of say, you know, we're good. We're going to stay where we're at. And, you know, we're going to try to build around these players, which there's nothing wrong with building around your top players. Don't get me wrong. But when you don't um, put them in a position to take those breaks or for recovery, because I feel and I hope that it doesn't happen where they will try to rush their recovery being that it is so getting closer to the, well, we're still in the first half of, of the season, which is good. But if it ever comes to a point where recovery has to be rushed, you just don't want that to be the case because Elena Del Don is the second leading rebounder on your team. So now the top two leading rebounders are out the game. So Brittany Sykes is probably going to have to go to that three or four spot when she's usually been playing or four or five spot when she's been playing that three spot. And now, that entire lineup is going to look different. So I'm probably saying like, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with uh, those starters, but then you also have like a lot of people weren't getting minutes um, as well. So they had heavy playing time from those, from their top five, their five uh, guard, their five players. So it's now it's like, what are they going to do when it comes to um, making moves and shifts within uh, this lineup, uh, but it'll be interesting to see. I do think they'll still be okay, considering they have a lot of wins right now. If they do need to take a couple of hits while they do recover for these next few weeks, then I think they'll be all right when they come back. But until then, it's kind of, it'll be kind of a slippery slope to see what they'll do because they are so set in who they are right now for the past two seasons. They've been pretty set in who they are. And I have some, uh, I'm sorry, I completely missed this. Um, last night, uh, after the news cycle had really kind of ended, Washington did complete a trade with the Indiana Fever. I, I you know, I was seeing this. I, guys, I was finishing this doc at, at a, an hour that my old man brain cannot correctly function anymore. But anyways, the Mystics did trade for Queen Egbo, who was an all-rookie team selection last year as a center in Indiana. Um this is interesting. I'm excited about this. I think with the expanded game, as I said, of Shakira handling the ball a little bit on the outside, Bree, to your point, if Shakira and Del Don can be back post All-Star break, there's a world where you could put Shakira and Egbo on the court at the same time because Shakira was handling the ball a lot on the perimeter, driving into the basket. Is obviously the, the length and the switchability on defense is there. I think that is very, very interesting. Mario, so jump in here. Thoughts on the trade? Thoughts on where the Mystics are at? Thoughts on those injured players? Any Washington thoughts you have? Yeah, uh, again, reiterating everything that uh, Bree said. Um, I think they'll, they'll, I think they'll be fine. Um, I know they kind of started off. I won't say it was rocky, but I think they started off pretty strong. You know, they're top three. Uh, or they were top three for I know it was between them and the Sun for a couple games and things like that um, for the Eastern Conference, but I think they'll be okay again, just not rushing the recovery. Um, but 
getting queen, you know, queen, like, well, she didn't, she really didn't play. I mean, she played a lot, but, like, also kind of was like, all right, some day, some games we're going to start you, yeah. some games we won't, um, which I guess could be a similar case, but I think this really helps her development because um, she was on the all-rookie team. She's a good defender. Um, she can score. I know she's, she can shoot the mid-range a little bit. Um, so I think that um, she's going to add, you know, that versatility, as you were saying, um, with Shakira, when Shakira comes back, when Atlanta comes back. Um, but hopefully um, they continue pushing through. You know, they have two great guards. But, again, um, even though they do have wings and, you know, forwards and things, I still think they could have upgraded that position a little bit more. I mean, Tina Charles is still somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, no <laughs> Somewhere is a good word. Uh, so, um I don't know, but I just think they could add a little bit more depth to that position because it's not like, you know, EDD hasn't dealt with injuries before, so you never know what happened. Obviously, mm-hmm. not watching injuries on anybody, but it seems like every year there is, like, some kind of injury uh, for her, which sucks. Um, but I think just to help bolster that in the case that she does go out um, is a good idea to do, just have people that can also, another wing or another forward, that can also, you know, score at will other than Shakira. Um, on the team, but I think they'll be fine. Um, I think again, it'll just be a tough patch. It'll just be a tough patch. You're just gonna have to grind out a couple games, even if they did lose their last two. I think they'll be okay. They're gonna maybe get back on track against the Fever, which will also be very interesting because if that's Queen's first game, mm-hmm. how does she play against them? You know, does she have a vendetta? What does she do? You know, so we'll get to see that. Um, which will be exciting or maybe not as exciting. I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, it could but be, real it'll be her, her party of like, I'm, I'm here. I actually get playing time. I have a, you know, a team that believes in me and things like that. Yeah. Um, so that could be interesting to see too. What all did they trade? How did they do? I mean, they traded Amanda Zoe B. Did they send a pick or something? Because she has not been playing well for a little while here. They had to, send a pick of some sort um but yes queen egbo got you know kind of moved to the bench in a real deep deep bench role she's played she's played in all 16 games but just nine minutes a game this year after selecting the the fever selected Aaliyah boston first overall in the draft who we'll, we'll talk about the season she's having when we get to the all-star selection um mario we're gonna stick with you because it's time I strategically planned this to only give us five minutes on the timer here so we don't do this for 20 minutes. But Connecticut Sun Ford, Brianna Jones, who had stepped in the starting lineup, was having a great season. She went down on June 20th with a torn Achilles and is done for the year. Uh, Connecticut is hanging in there. They've been doing all right um, despite that here in the last uh, two and a half weeks or so since that has happened. Talk about the Sun. Talk about Brianna Jones. One, my heart is broken. I remember I there I was like on the Twitter feed and everything, and like people were like, "Yeah, Brianna went down, whatever." I'm thinking like, "Okay, it's a sprained ankle or something." Comes out like I think like two days later or something, she got yeah, she's in well. surgery, and I was like, "Oh no!" But <laughs> right side, I hope Brianna gets better. Um, she's a great player. She played great this year, as always. You know, coming from our sixth woman, two times sixth woman of the year to. You know, a starter and probably would have been an all-star if she didn't get injured, or she definitely mm-hmm. would have been an all-star if she didn't get injured. But Alyssa Thomas, she's getting her MVP that she deserved last year. Sorry, Bree. Uh, she's getting her MVP. How she was not an all-star starter blows my mind. I have no clue what she had to do <laughs> if she had to score 40 or something. But 
how she navigates the game, she literally is the engine. Literally, I say this. I said this last year. I'm going to keep saying it every single time we talk about them. She is the engine to the team. She's been awesome. Um, giving triple-double after triple-double. You know, she had a lot this season. She She's the all-time leading triple-double. Um, but off the bench, I, I don't understand that. But, again, the Sun, they're playing really well. Rebecca Allen, oh, my gosh, she's been playing fantastic. So I've been very, like, I was definitely not – I won't say I wasn't high on her, but I was like, okay, you know, but we got this player. But she is really well. She's a great shooter. Um, Letitia Heidemann, obviously, she's always great. Um, and then Dewana Bonner also is playing a big role in all of that as well. So um, I'm so happy uh, for my team because, you know, we're still we're still up there. We're actually a half game out um, of the first seed um, for uh, the Eastern Conference. So hopefully we do get that first seed. Uh, I, well, I think we will. Um, obviously, we have to deal with the Liberty. Uh, we have to deal with John Quell. Who and may I may I add has not had the most successful year thus far. And I love John Quill though. John Quill, I love you. If you ever listen to this, you probably won't. But still, I love whoa, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, like, easily okay, be okay. listening to this okay, podcast. Okay, right back. And then, I don't know what you're talking um, about. <laughs> and then Olivia Nelson Adonona, uh, she's been awesome. Uh, I'm just naming everybody at this point. But I really think <laughs> Tiffany Hayes has been awesome too. She had a great run. Um, especially in the beginning of the season, we're carrying us with a lot of our scoring and things like that when we got into, like, a small kind of uh, hits, I guess. And then now Dijanae Carrington is getting minutes, and she's performing at a high level. So she's improved a lot. Bree always says that Dijanae is my least favorite player, or she says that I say that or whatever. I don't know. I, I wasn't – I won't say I wasn't a fan, but I wasn't, like, the biggest fan. But she's been playing really well um, as she gave minutes. Um, she had a huge 23-point game. Uh, recently, so she's doing really well coming off that bench. But I guess I have a minute left, so I can keep going about my son. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know, um, the Aces, I don't know. We are the only team that beat the Aces this season so far, so I want to point that out. So the Aces currently only have one loss, and guess who that's to? Connecticut Sun. Um, so hopefully uh, we continue to play well, uh, get a good seed, um, and stay healthy, and Brianna gets to come back next year healthy if we lose this year it's because we don't have Brianna Jones just like last year we didn't have Jasper Thomas so just know that's always going to be my my excuses the Simon Shore podcast is presented by Box Score Network Box Score Network is your one-stop shop for all things NFL podcasts you want game analysis betting lines hot takes and fantasy advice check out Box Score Network follow Box Score Network on Twitter at Bscore Network for updates all right, Bree, we should have seen that coming. Uh, Mario had five minutes to talk about Brianna Jones, and I think he thought it was his last five minutes on the podcast because it was just a Connecticut Sun uh, lobbying fest there. But we talk about the the Sun, the Brianna Jones injury, and, and then I guess any, you know, clapbacks you want to give Mario for the Aces. Um, I actually will say I don't I'm not going to give any clapbacks today um, because they don't they don't deserve it today. They've been, they've been playing. <laughs> Really, really, really good. Um, I'm very proud of them. Uh, I'm actually more proud than Mario is, honestly, because he was not supportive of y'all in the beginning of the year. He told me, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm not sure if they're going to even make it out of the bottom. Bye. Okay, okay, wow. all right. Okay. I, I, was, I was giving you false hope that the sun were going away. That's all it was, false hope. Um, but... Yeah, when Brianna Jones went out, uh, I was like, I think 
I think everybody kind of knew, like, once those injuries, when it's kind of like non, super non-contact, uh, it's kind of like those injuries where it's like, you never know what's going to happen. And unfortunately, um, I think they said it was season ending, but yep. um, so yeah, that, that hurt. That really did hurt. She was having a great, great year. Um, a great year. She's been breaking out since um, two seasons ago. I'll say, I honestly believe her being so good um, was one of the reasons why John Quill also felt, you know, like mm-hmm. she could leave um, or she, you know, she did because Brian Jones was improving so well um, that minutes may have been cut at some point. Um, because she has been playing so so good she's a bucket um she she gets boards um so it was very 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 hard and rough to see her go down like that but um I still think they're playing amazing uh Dewana Bonner of course playing amazing mm-hmm. Alyssa Thomas playing amazing uh Mario's favorite player that <laughs> Carrington has been playing pretty good too so it's been just amazing to see this team really still push after all of the talk, what's going to happen, what's going on in Connecticut, why is, why is everyone leaving? It didn't matter. And that's what I appreciate when people still go on the floor, regardless of what's going on in the media, and they can still just play through it. And I think that's what the Sun have been doing. And I also think that's what the Sky will do um, with the James Wade controversy but um, and him leaving. But um, I will say – with the sun, um, kind of move. Well, I'll save that for later because we're going to get into it later. Uh, I think we all know what I want to talk about, but I'll get into it later. <laughs> but I will say, like, I'm very proud of how they have been continuing to push and get wins. They are fighting for these wins, too. Mm-hmm. These aren't, like, easy. They are fighting for these wins. And they're not giving up. They, you know, they got to win against us. I don't know what was going on with the refing that game. Um, but I won't take you from them. <laughs> I won't take you from them, but... I've I've just been really 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 um, proud of how they've just been playing this year because they could have easily said you know we're just going to try to get a get a pick for next year we're just going to roll over and try to get a pick but no they they still want this to to get back to to the finals you know they still smell blood and they want they want to win you know and I really appreciate when people can just play hard nose basketball regardless of the situations that they're in or circumstances. And just do whatever they gotta do to, you know, to get get a bucket, you know, defend, get a board, and they're they're doing that. So, props to the sun. Absolutely, yes. Um, yeah, the way the the rest of the team, especially, it feels like Dewana Bonner, who who is already stepping up in, in the absence of um, John Quill Jones, uh, already was taking a step forward. It felt like just just kind of continuing that, and she gets an all star nod as well. We are one step away from the all star uh, reactions. I know you guys are excited for that, but let's let's hit one more coaching change that has happened so far this season in a move that, for me, just really starting to watch this league last season, and I felt it was pretty necessary. In I think the first month of following the league and watching and everything. Um, and that's Phoenix Mercury fired head coach Vanessa Nygaard after just one and a half seasons. The Mercury are just in shambles right now. Uh, unfortunately, I know that Brittany Griner and Diana Tarasi had a, a few injuries uh, or, or were each injured 
um, so far this season already, but still a rough go for the Mercury right now, who are sitting at the bottom of the league at three and thirteen. Um, that the Mercury had moved move on from their head coach here mid-season. Bree, I'm gonna kick it over to you first. Uh, what are your thoughts on this move? Um, I think everyone knew she should have been going last year, uh, yeah. in my opinion. Um, she completely lost control of that locker room. Um, she completely lost control of her team. Um, it has been a, it's been, it's been a storm <laughs> and not mm-hmm. the good way. It's been a really bad situation going on in Phoenix. And I think they let it go on too long and it spilled over into this season and there's no return at this point. Um, I don't think they, they have a, any chance of getting anywhere uh, right now all they can try to do is hope for something to happen next year get a good pick next year or something because when you have a coach taking shots at players and it's just like what are we doing it became very juvenile um and you have fans turning against your own team against your own coach coach going against fans coach going against players players going against players. It was just no control over the team, no control over the locker room, people just making whatever plays they wanted to. It was, it, it became like, you know, I feel when you have such talent and such history on a team, um, they allowed, uh, I'm going to sound like, a, I'm going to sound kind of rough right now, but I feel like they allowed a player to become bigger than the team itself and bigger than the organization almost. Um, and I will say, I think, again, I'm sorry, everyone. I think the 25th, uh, 25 years of WNBA played into that a lot. Um, the way that they just, Dinosaur Rossi, everything, everywhere at all times. And the coaching played into that. She just became bigger than the organization. And at that point, it's like, yeah, you can win with Diana Taurasi, but you can also lose with Diana Taurasi. And when those losses happen, who are you going to turn to? The coach did not take responsibility for those losses. She then turned it on to other players. Um, you had players who were playing their hearts out um, last season who were being treated like they weren't even there. So um, it was a necessary, necessary uh, move to make. Should have happened before the season started should have happened before last season ended. Um, but now, you know, you kind of see the repercussions of what we all knew was going to happen. And I can't say that I am um, surprised and I can't say that I am mad that she is, has been let go. And I can't say that I think anything good is going to come out of this season for them at all, <laughs> uh, which kind of sucks because I really wanted this to be a good season for Brittany Griner and, it's just it's like it's it's just it hasn't been what I wanted it to be for her first return um, back to the court. But, you know, hopefully Nikki Blue can, you know, make some changes there and do something to at least help bring good energy and change morale in the locker room and for the organization and fan base, because I will say they are probably one of the least most liked teams right now also which Mm kind of sucks um but you know hopefully it'll change soon now that she's out of there yeah definitely a move that needed to happen for so many reasons um mario and i talked about it in the in the preseason show their over under was like one like high they had like the third or fourth highest over under which was just 
it, it was a lot already from the top, not even just thinking about um, everything that could happen, obviously, and, and where we're at now. That feels like a very long time ago already that that over-under was set. But Mario, thoughts on, on the Mercury here? Thoughts on this coaching change? Um, and, you know, I guess just any other, any Phoenix thoughts you have? Yeah, it was needed, like you both said. I mean, they had a whole contract divorce with Team Charles last year, which we still don't know what happened there. And then the whole thing was with Skyler, so we saw that last year. So the writing was kind of on the wall. I did think it would have happened sooner, um, like especially in the offseason and things like that. But again, we know that the big cloud of like Brittany not being there was also a big issue. But now that you have her back and you're still not able to perform or coach the team up and all that stuff, um, it kind of sucks. Um, I also just looked. Um, all of their wins, which what they have two or three right now. Three, three yeah. Wins, all all three, three wins. wins. All wins are uh, nine points or less. So besides against one one game against the Fever, they they dominate them. But they they're, they're hard fought games, and it's like it's kind of like they have to play their best game to have yeah. the closest, a closest, the closer win. Um, Brittany has been hooping, so I I, mm-hmm. I really love Brittany has been. I think the one consistent piece uh, for them all year long, Brittany has been really, uh, really playing very well. Um, so I, I don't think that that isn't a question of her coming back and playing well, but it just sucks the team around her is just not good enough to compete. And it could be due to coaching or that could be due just to the talent that they have around it. Um, again, Diana is a little bit older. Um, Sophia Cunningham, she had a big, she blew up big because one, she was playing pretty decently last year, but also she was talking a lot of trash. So that was a whole thing too. So again, like Bree said, they're one of the least like teams. I think I think I know for me and probably for Bree too, it's like, all right, they're they're losing. I wish Brittany was on a better team, but like what can you do? Um, because, you know, that's that's their team. Um, but I mean, I d I don't think they'll turn around. I think maybe they may they should explore trading people. I don't know. Um, I don't know where people could go, but at this point, it's time to do a full rebuild, even though you did make the finals about, what, two, three years ago. It's like, it's time It's time to do a full rebuild, time to get it over with. Diana's probably retiring at the end of the season anyway, so it's like, you know, it's time to really rebuild that team um, or even just reshape it, similar to the Chicago Sky, even though they lost everybody, they still just reshaped it with, with players who can step up, and, you know, or have, have a certain role, but again, they're starring in those roles. So maybe you don't have to have a certain like star, two star power, whatever it may be with reshaping the roster, but maybe getting as well rounded as possible. Um, Cause right now it doesn't seem like that they are. They always have like people who can get buckets, but again, where's the defense? Where's the, you know, where, where's the rebounding besides Brittany, you know, so where, where are all these other pieces that you can put into place that consistent team? So I don't think, I mean, I definitely was high on them in the preseason. I took the over even when they were <laughs> high up in numbers. Yeah. I was thinking they were going to play with some heart now that Brittany was back. I was clearly um, a little bit wrong about that. Brittany came back with heart. Everybody else took theirs out or something. But uh, we'll, we'll see how the season ends and wraps up. But I think maybe uh, exploring, a tra- exploring maybe a couple of trades, reshaping the roster, because I really think do think this may be Diana's last year. Um, and then where, where do you really go from there? Let's move on to some happy things. Well, mostly happy. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll hear something. Uh, let's get into the all-star announcements. So I want to start with the starters, and I want to just get one kind of, uh, whether it's a snub or a, a, a hat you want to tip to one of the players that made it, 
Um, just just one thought on the all-star starters. So I'm going to list them off for everybody. Uh, we had Chelsea Gray, Jewel Lloyd, Enrique Ogumboale, Jackie Young, Aliyah Boston, Brittany Griner, Neka Agumake, Satu Sabley, Brianna Stewart, and Asia Wilson. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Bree go first because I know where Mario's going. Bree, I'm going to start with you. Feel free to steal Mario's thing. Uh, what what one thing jumps out at you when you look at these starters? I mean, one thing that jumps out to me is Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. <laughs> I mean, oh, my gosh. What would you call that? A royal flesh or something? I mean, wow. It's amazing. We have three aces as starters and... I mean, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. Uh, we have the best team in the league. We've had the best team in the league. We're going to continue to have the best team in the league. But this just proves it. Um, and I'm just very happy that everyone else can see it. I think the All-Stars um, definitely shows, like, who deserves um, – well, I'll say, like, I can't say that. I can't say that. I'm going to I'm going to take that back. But I will say that, you know, the starters this year, I'm very happy to see everyone there. Um, there are some people here who I'll say, mm, I don't know. I am very happy about Aaliyah Boston as well. Um, let's clap it up for her. She is a rookie coming in, starting as an all star. Wow. Um, and we also have, again, Asia Wilson, so shout out to Dawn Staley and South Carolina, you know, my favorite college team right now. But that to me is just amazing, being able to see all these aces, being able to take over the All-Star game once again. It's just so cool. And I think, is it in Vegas this year too? So are we playing? I think so. I think so. I'll, yeah. I'll double check. I'll double check while we go. All right. But if it is in Vegas, we'll be playing at home. Um, so it's just going to be a home game. It's going to be a home game for us. And you know, we have our captain, Asia Wilson, is probably going to pick all aces, hopefully, um, again. And we'll just show everybody that four aces can beat the entire league. That's all we need. Um, but, yeah, so that's all I'm going to say for now. I do have more to talk about with the other players, but I just wanted to get out there that the aces are running the W once again. I made such a big deal of saying I knew what Mario was going to say. I don't know why I didn't equally say that i knew where brie was going to go with that but but here we are that's my mistake mario now if you want you can save this rant for when we get to the reserves you can save it for that i don't think you're going to but i just wanted you to know you had that option uh give, give me one thought on these starters yes I or who's not, not a starter say, i would not say my rant because i said it earlier Alyssa thomas should have been Started. That's how I want yeah, to say. that was nice. Before before I let you do your thing, actually, well, so Alyssa Thomas was obviously the big snub of the starters. Without getting too into it, I want to just hear a name from both of you. If you think Alyssa Thomas was a snub, who would you swap her out for if you could? Mar uh Bree, let's go to you first, and then Mario, give me yours, and then you can go with your general thoughts. Bree, if it two-part question. One, did you think Alyssa Thomas was a snub? Two, is there someone you would swap her out for? I will say she was a snub. Um, I'm going to define why, though. She's a snub because of fan votes. She does yeah. not have a big fan base. Yeah. Um, that's the reason why. If she was, um, I'm looking, I'm looking. I would say maybe Satu. You could do that. NECA, she's kind of there with them. She's 
there with those two. Uh, you could say Aaliyah, eh, their numbers are around the same within those three, Satu, Neka, and um, Aaliyah. You, I don't want to say the other person, but, you know, you could do that. So um, on the front court side, um, but she could also be backcourt. You never know with um, mm-hmm, with her, but mm-hmm. that's what I would say. But I will say the reason why is probably because yeah. – she just doesn't have the fan votes that would be required to get past some of those other players. All right, Mario, uh, who would you have swapped Alyssa out for and then go on with your, your, your one thought, your one standout thing from the starters? Yeah, I think Bree's not going to like this answer. Chelsea Gray is an all-star. I do not think that she's an all-star starter this year. I will be honest. I think Jackie Young, I think uh, Asia definitely deserve it, but I think, Chelsea Gray doesn't deserve to be a starter per se this year. Like she is the point guard. I know that. I know it from the finals last year. But um, I do want to say I don't think that she maybe deserved the starting position this year. The problem with is like not only the fan voting, but it's also be determining what position are you putting Alyssa Thomas at. Because if they, I, I don't think they have a certain like guard or some area, but it seems like they do have like we want this many guards, this many front court players. Alyssa can be considered any of that. So I think she may have got snubbed from the guard position. I think she shouldn't have got snubbed from the forward position. I wouldn't take Aaliyah out. I think Aaliyah Boston, I know she has a lot of hype around her, obviously, but she's been playing well. When they feed her the ball, they mostly win their game. They win the games that when they really feed her the ball. Um, I think NECA, I think NECA is one I will also t- I will take out. So it's between Chelsea or NECA for me. And I think NECA has been good this year, but I think it's also a little bit of inconsistency as far as playing and things like that. And then also their team, the Sparks, I think we, I think people have high expectations for them. They are not performing uh, to, uh, you know, to the best of their ability. I know Chini or Chini, how are we saying now? I'm butchering it. Um, um, hasn't played a lot this year, but still, I think um, they, they, they have underperformed. I'm not saying that's because of NECA. NECA still performing well, but again, I think Alyssa deserved one of these starting spots. Um, I think there's a lot of players you can really interchange her for, um, but I think she deserved it. Um, my one big note about the All-Star um, starters, uh, Say too Sabley, she has been awesome. She has been a bucket, a rebounder, everything. Um, she's a big reason. I know, Simon, you and I were talking in a preseason one about they don't have the big – they don't have a center. They don't have, mm-hmm. you know, the forwards available. Like, they have a lot of guards. They don't have the forwards available when we're talking about it. But she's really stepped up. She's decided, I'm going to rebound every single ball myself, and I'm also going to score it as well. I can stretch the floor and do all those things and kind of be that second star with Arike, which is really nice uh, for Arike because it seemed like, you know, it's the Arike show. It's Arike, Arike, Arike. Um, but now you have somebody else that to work with her um, and help her out a little bit more as far as the games go. So she's been – a, a very good surprise. I was very shocked to see how well she's been playing um, and that she's continuing and she's playing consistently um, and she's a big contribution to why they are at 500 right now. Hopefully they don't end up being 500 like last year, but it does seem like they're kind of gearing towards being 18 and 18 again, but I guess we'll see if she does help move that needle um, and get some to a guaranteed playoffs around. Let's get to the reserves now. Dewana Bonner, Nafisha Collier, Kalea Copper, Elena Del Don, Alicia Gray, Sabrina Ionescu, Ezzy McBegore, Kelsey Mitchell, Cheyenne Parker, Kelsey Plum, Alyssa Thomas, and Courtney Vandersloot. Mario, one thing that stands out to you when you look at this list of reserves? 
Ezzy, she mm-hmm. she has been mm-hmm. she has been awesome too. Um, I was very shocked. Um, like one that the Storm has two players, but also that she has been performing really well. She's been a great defender. She's been a great rebounder. She's been a great scorer. Um, she's really stepped up a lot. Um, she she's even been passing it pretty well as well for a center. So she's been really good this year. Um, she's been, you know, obviously they haven't been winning games, but she's similar to say to where she can put up a double double. Um, but I think she's a little bit uh, better of a defender on the say to. So I think uh, she was a big surprise that I've seen uh, throughout this year. She's stretching the floor and everything. Um, so she was a good surprise um, that I've seen even on the losing team. Um, but she's she's similar to how say two is to Enrique. She's really developing into that second star for Jewel Lloyd. It's not translating into wins just yet, but hopefully soon that they get that a little bit going with them two being that one-two punch and being centered around them, and then uh, building uh, the team around them. Bree, when you look at the reserves, what's the one thing that stands out to you? Ryan Howard is not here. Mm-hmm. That's very yeah. confusing to me. Yeah. Um. I don't understand it, and I get a little upset because it's like, what more does she have to do? For me, it's when you go and you have you look at the numbers. So you go, okay, she's playing well. The team isn't playing the best, but she's an all star. This isn't a team award. She's playing well, um, and then you have to go compare to the other players and for that position, their numbers. And I don't understand. And reserves are picked by, I don't think fans have a choice with that, right? Fans don't have a, oh, fans do actually have a choice. That's different. I don't think Mm -hmm. in the NBA fans have a choice, Um, but WNBA fans do have a choice. So it's confusing to me with that um, when you have someone like Ryan Howard, who's not going to be there, who put up 43 points. I want to see her like, that's bucket central. Like who, who else is going to do that? It's only four other people in the W who's done that. I want to see that in the all-star game. So for me, that's something that stands out. Um, Alicia Gray did, and she's her teammate. Um, Cheyenne Parker. So, um, is also there. So it's, it's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to feel. I don't really know how to feel, but I'm going to calm down again. Um, (laughs) but y'all know how I feel about my girl, Ryan, like, come on. So it's, that was a little weird to me, but comparing her to maybe they just didn't want three people from the dream there is what I can say. Um, but when you look at other teams, she's definitely producing higher than other player, different other different players from other teams. So that was something I am very, very confused on that. But seeing um, play a copper, love her, of course. Elena Del Don, like you said, will she play? If not, who will step in for her? That'll be interesting to see. Um, Sabrina Ayescu, she has been doing, she's been doing pretty good. You know, she's been doing pretty good. Not as good as Ryan, but she's there. Kelsey Mitchell, she's been playing great. Kelsey Mitchell's been playing great for Indiana. So, mm-hmm. um, still, I'm not going to do that for everybody, but she's there. Kelsey Plum wasn't a, a starter. I don't know if they miscounted the votes or something. But that's just, we don't know. Uh, we can't, I'm not going to say they didn't count the votes correctly. But, um, and then Alyssa Thomas, of course, that hurts to not see her as a starter, but I'm did, I am happy that she did make um, the All-Star game because she definitely deserves it. And Vandersloot, of course, again, she is a hooper. We know she's a hooper. 
But then I'm seeing Dewana Bonner as a reserve. There was a lot of talk about uh, Alyssa Thomas being a reserve. We have we could make the case that Dewana Bonner could start as well. Mm-hmm. We could super make the case for that, and it may be a stronger case um, because her position. It, it could be a stronger case because we know what her position is. Um, so you could make a stronger case for that. With Alyssa Thomas is always playing that position game, so that's why I'm saying that. And then Nafisa Collier, love her as well from Minnesota. So um, this is where it gets really fun, and I think we are. I finally okay. I'm going to give. A little bit of my creativity here. I finally think we are in a place in the W where we may be able to have a rookie game. Um, uh, uh, you know, because the fans are there. We want to see, you know, that happen. Um, and we can say, like, oh, was this better than the All-Star game? Because it which one would you rather see more of? Which one was more hype? So I feel like we are getting to that place. So this is exciting for me to be able to have these conversations because you have someone like uh, Ryan Howard, you have someone um, like Aaliyah Boston who is doing these things, rookie, sophomore year. Like, wow, I want to see what that would look like for all the players because I definitely want to see a few players from the Sparks. <laughs> Um, and then a Ricky All-Star game or a sophomore All-Star game. So, yeah, I'm really excited about the All-Star game this year. But for the reserves, it does stand out to me position-wise how they choose because they don't list it as well is another thing. And that's one thing that I'm also looking at. But I will say, um, Dewana Bonner, you can make – it's been a lot of arguments about um, Melissa Thomas being a starter, but Dewana Bonner could definitely, definitely be in that conversation as well. Yeah, I found they they make it so hard. They they showed us we uh, if you go on Twitter, which by the way, Twitter is the new Google, which is hilarious. Um, you can find that thing that was getting posted around where it was like the top ten for backcourt and frontcourt, um, that was posted, and that's a pretty good representation and shows fan rank, media rank, player rank. Can't search it anywhere. You can't even find it on the W site, but there you go. Um. But yeah, all great points. Uh, Alyssa Thomas is listed as front court, um, tenth in fan rank. Dewana Bonner is eleventh, which is funny. Um, but yeah, that that is what hurt both of them. I want to ask you both for your quick thoughts on Sabrina Ionescu because not necessarily that she's a reserve. I think that's fine for where she's at this season. Her, Bram Stewart, and John Quill Jones all seen kind of a a dip in their numbers from last year. Um, where they all had great individual seasons all coming together, which is obviously working out on the court for the team. But Sabrina was voted 19th best guard by player rank. Did you guys see this? Do you have any thoughts on this, Mario? You're shaking your head. Um, just, just quick thoughts on, do people just not like Sabrina right now? Is she rubbing people the wrong way? Is it a little... Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. What what what's the what's the story behind this? You think? Yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> I think uh, it could be. You know, Sabrina is also one of those players who got a lot of hype. I think she's one of those players, like it's similar to Caitlin Clark, where it was mm-hmm. like Sabrina, 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 pushing Sabrina um, type thing. Like obviously for the legends, it's push Diana, push Sue. For the um, for the players right now, especially for the young players, it's Aaliyah Boston and pretty much Sabrina. I think Sabrina was that big person, especially she's in New York, so that's also a big thing. She, it's a big it's a big place. You get a lot of media attention, so players may feel 
she's overhyped. I don't know why they would think that because she led the team to a playoff berth last year. Um, like she, she helped lead them to a playoff berth, uh, and they played pretty well. They, they fought really hard. Um, so I think that is a little bit shocking um, as far as the player ranks um, for her because um, I don't think she's the 19th best guard. She's definitely top 10, um, maybe even top five, but she's definitely one of the best guards. Um, in the league right now. She can facilitate. She can score. She can rebound. She can pretty much do anything that you want her to do. Uh, her defensive skills, I won't say she has the best defense, but she she, she can get by. Um, but I think um, maybe all the players just felt like the media overhypes her, so it kind of turns them off as far as voting for that. Bree, you got any thoughts on that one? Um, I feel like she's, no, she's not liked by other players. Um, that is true. <laughs> and, and fans are kind of starting to feel that way, too. Um, but I'm not sure who was rated over her. I didn't see that, um, actually. So I can't say that. And then you do have in the W, they are very, again, and people are going to get mad. They stick with history. People are going to say Diana Sarasi is better than Sabrina right now. And that's just not true. <laughs> it's not uh, true. Yeah, Diana Tarasi by fan and media rank was below Sabrina but by player rank was 14th while Sabrina is 19th. Yeah. So you have stuff like that. Um, that'll happen. But again, I mean, it's who you're guarding. They're playing against them. So I can't say that it's not true because I'm not guarding her either, but from a fan's perspective, I'm not sure if she is 19th. I don't think I can name 19, 18 guards better than her right now. Um, but again, the way how switchable the W is, who's counted as a guard, I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I personally can't name 19 players, well, 18 players better than guards better than Sabrina at this point. Yeah, that, that was my standout. That, that was making its way around uh, WMBA Twitter. I thought that was interesting. Um, we're going to skip past our, our biggest surprises because we'll, we'll kind of cover that question. Think about that question as we do our power rankings here. Um, so I just want to go through. I wrote up a quick power ranking. If anybody listened to the show last year, followed my, my work on the W last year at Phantom Sports, I did a power ranking. I just kind of wanted to do one. I'm not doing one anywhere right now. One to just run this by you guys and, and see what you think. It's not, it shouldn't be anything that crazy. Uh, obviously, at one and two, I have the Aces and the Liberty. I don't think uh, maybe Mario has something to say about the Liberty because at three, I do have the Connecticut Sun. Um, I, I initially had penciled in the Mystics here at three, but that has obviously fallen off and Connecticut is staying strong after the Brianna Jones injury. Um, so I have Connecticut three and Washington four. At five, I have the Dallas Wings, who are my just like forever steady Eddie right in the middle, but that bumps them a little higher this year. I have Dallas at five, and I'm going to go with Chicago at six. I still like the way that they're playing recently. Um, despite everything going on, the three straight wins is good for me there. That's my five and six, and now they're obviously closer to Washington. Now, Bree, do you have any thoughts on that four, five, six? I have Washington, Dallas, Chicago right now. Um, I may interchange Dallas and Washington, and that's based off of recent injuries. Um, and then also just points per game. You know, Dallas just definitely gets they just get at it. They just score at a higher rate, so that may be the 
differentiator for me there within that. But I would definitely keep Chicago at six. So that looks good to me. Yeah, the the Washington piece always have to think about. I, so I, I love going to net rating when I do these power rankings as well. There and there's a real gap in those first four teams in terms of the um, the the true record, uh, and then kind of below that, Dallas is always right there in the middle. Right after Dallas, everyone's in the negative net rating, and Washington is definitely a step above because of their uh, defense. But when you step away from the statistics and you factor in the recent play of both teams um, and, and you think more about on the court who's going to score more and be in more games, Dallas right now does feel a little bit better. So I can see that argument uh, for them there at four. As I said, I have Chicago at uh, six. So that's my little group there. Seven, eight, and nine is tough. Seven, eight, and nine is tough, but I am going to go with the Atlanta Dream. The uh, I'm second. Get, uh, no, I'm not. The Atlanta Dream, the Indiana Fever, and the LA Sparks is where I have next. Seven, eight, and nine. Anybody have any thoughts there? You don't. So, have to, you, uh, I was gonna go say ahead, Mario. Go ahead, Mario. Go ahead. You don't have the links up high. That's that. That's where I'm thinking. Make the case. That's where. That's what I'm thinking about. Make the case for me. Well, obviously, All-Star Nafisi Kalia has been awesome. Dorka has had a great rookie season. She's kind of being overshadowed, but she's definitely one of the better rookies uh, this year as well. But also, they're just a hard-nosed team as well, um, and they're in a lot of games. They are on a win streak against mostly losing teams, to be fair, but they did beat the Sparks. You know, they they, they, they did lose to the Fever, but they beat the Sparks about three times throughout this win, or throughout their last couple wins. Um Blown out by the sun. They beat the storm two times. They beat the Mercury. They beat the Fever as well. So they they got a couple great wins on their uh, belt. So I think that they earned the right to be at least seven or eight or before maybe two or three of these are all three. Uh, but I do think they have a better case. Uh, I do believe in the dream, but I also am kind of weary a little bit because, again, their young age kind of starts to show a little bit. Um, with some of the games that they play. Um, but I do think they're impressive. I, I will put the Lynx first at like seven and then the Dream at eight. Um, and then um, I forgot who your other two teams were at uh, nine. But I think um, the Lynx, the Sparks, the Sparks are iffy. I'm not really, I'm not a big believer in the Sparks right now, but I think they're better than the Fever. So I will put the Fever at 10 and then the Sparks at nine. All great points, my Mario. I know you guys are going to easily talk me off of that part of the ranking, but Bree, go ahead and, and give me your thoughts there on that little section. Dream, Fever, and Sparks, uh, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Mario there. I would definitely move Minnesota up a lot yep. higher. Yep. Um, and then just because they have been playing great, I think they have a very well-rounded team. Um it doesn't seem well besides Nafisa, um, it doesn't seem like they have after that a second person who's just like, This is our this is who we're going to next. So they can go to pretty much anyone, you know, Kayla, Diamond. Diamond's a great rookie, by the way. Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have like they have a bunch of moving moving parts um there, which is different. Um, I will say after that I'll put LA just because of veteran leadership is there. And then they have rookies who can come in and score. And they I just feel like they have um also a more 
cohesive unit right now, even though they are a little sketchy, due to injury as well. A lot of the sketchiness has come to injury, people being out, sicknesses, whatever it may be, but they have had a lot of people just kind of in and out for some odd reason. I'm not sure why, um, but that is one of the cases there. Um, and then NECA has been playing amazing. You have Jordan coming in, a lot of assists there. Zora Stevens, who I love, she's been playing great. Um, when Lexi comes back, they'll be good. And my girl Derek is there. I can't, you know, she, she's still an aces to me. She's still an ace to me. Um, so she's been doing good. Carly Samuelson's still there doing great. Um, so I just, I feel like with them, they just kind of have more of, you never know what's going to happen, which could be good or bad for the mm-hmm. Sparks. Um, but with Indiana, they're trying, you know, they're trying to get there. They're in a place where I feel more confident with them this year than I did last year, for sure. Way more confident. They're finally picking up the pieces and moving and, you know, getting to a place where they can kind of define, they have defined pieces now, especially with, you know, Kelsey Mitchell being like, hey, I'm going to kind of be uh, the leadership that was needed in the past. She's kind of stepping into that a little bit more. Uh, Nalissa's playing great. Aaliyah's playing great. Erica Wheeler's, when she comes in, she does what she has to do. You know, she's there. Lexi Hall. So they have pieces, but I'm not sure if it's like enough to be better than the other teams that were mentioned. So I would definitely go Minnesota, LA, Indiana right now. That's today. Tomorrow, it may be LA, Indiana. You know, that that nine, 10 spot can be tricky, but I would Mm -hmm. definitely put Minnesota at, at the eight right now, though. So yeah, Minnesota has to be an eight. That was. That was an oversight by me. Won, won their last three games. They they're def- still a much lower net rating than the Sparks. Um, I mean, both are negative. So at that point, you know, it's really kind of just a, a wash. You don't you don't feel great in in either scenario. Um, you know, especially Minnesota in that defense. They're at a 104-1 in defensive rating, which is eighth in the league right now. Uh, compared to the Sparks, who are fourth, so they kind of have that identity. But uh, uh, yeah, Minnesota three-game win streak has to has to be on there at eight after Atlanta at seven. Mario, are you with Bree there? I think she talked me into Sparks over Fever. Sparks eight, yep. Indiana nine, yeah. uh, or uh, Sparks Sparks nine, Indiana ten. I should say, kind of feels like Indiana still going through that that rough patch of being young la has the veteranship la has the coaching i know it's been kind of on and off pre mentioned the injuries that have been also on and off throughout the season a lot of stop go for them um so i'm good with that seven eight nine ten atlanta minnesota la indiana 11 12 seattle phoenix any any pushback there um i think seattle is no i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have Let's, any Listen, if you if you wanted to make the case, I'd listen. But um <laughs> no, I don't have any that's, that's real <laughs> tough. Uh in both by by the way, uh going back to Indiana, I think the final uh nail in the coffin was one and five at home. Four yeah. and six on the road is kind of what's keeping them I mean, as afloat as you can be at five and eleven, but one and five at home, that's that's really not a good sign. There's a lot of luck in going four and six on the road when you're a one and five home team. So yeah, I think 10's a good spot for them there. Okay, guys, we did it. That that's the W. Um, 
thank you all so much for being on as always. I always appreciate your guys' insight. Love talking with uh, to you about this as always. Uh, everyone, Bri and Mario's Twitter handles will be in the link below. You can check their wild takes on NBA free agency and uh, Dame trades that may or may not happen, um, but especially for the W content that they have. Uh, really appreciate their follow. And, and guys, I really appreciate your time on the Simon Short Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back to you next week for another episode of the Simon Short Podcast. Thank you so much. Have fun and be safe out there. <laughs>